Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Stress Sessions this series. It's been an emotional one and having had guests on ranging from a UFC fighter to a company CEO and an American actor to the UK's once youngest football manager, it's been a really, really fun and interesting experience to speak to such a wide range of people about a topic so close to my heart. If you've not already downloaded and listened to the rest of the series, I'd really recommend you do. Not only have I learned a lot from each and every person that's come on the show, but speaking and listening to each of my guests has actually helped my mental health a little bit too. I've decided to go out with a bang, a bang, with the, with the final episode. And the original plan was to record this one face to face. But unfortunately, as always, COVID restrictions put a stop to that just after Christmas. And it had to be recorded as a usual Zoom chat instead. Long story short, the comedian I'm speaking to was meant to be touring at the end of 2020 and myself and my wife Tara were lucky enough to go to one of his live gigs at the stables in Milton Keynes in between lockdowns. Nevertheless, it was an amazing chat and having read his latest book, Contacts, just a few weeks before, it was great to talk to someone who is fast becoming as well known for his skills as an author alongside a successful comedy career. Just as a heads up, there might be a few spoilers about the book in this one, so if you're planning on reading Contacts, then read it before you listen to the podcast. Other topics covered in this episode include lockdown, obviously, and how sport can be an amazing part for your mental health, teaching your kids about mental well-being, and his appearance as a contestant on Bear Grylls, the island. So a lot going on. Without further ado, I won't take too long on this part because I always just ramble on. Here's the final episode of the Stress Sessions, Series 2, with the incredible comedian slash author, Mark Watson. How are you doing? All right, mate. How are you? Good. Yeah, not bad, thanks. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I mean, is this less nerve-wracking than if we'd met at the theatre? or? Um, yeah, I guess so, a little bit. Yeah. It's, anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very nervous person, so, well, most, most of the time anyway, but yeah. Well, otherwise you wouldn't have a podcast about stress, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I exactly. About that. I'm, uh, How have you been? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm very wet, quite honestly. I've just been absolutely oh, no. I was going for a run and uh, uh, the weather just seems to always turn uh, whenever I go out at the moment. I mean, it is horrible. <laughs> weather. It's January anyway, but um, I'm on an unlucky run of getting soaked. Other than that, I'm fine. Yeah, this is a difficult, um, a difficult time, isn't it? This, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I, well... When when all this first started, it was well, it's kind of like end of March, wasn't it? Last year, and we had we had a holiday booked in April, and I was a bit like, "Oh, it'll be over in two weeks. It'll be fine. We'll still be going on holiday." And then I know, I know. It, a lot of last <laughs> year was about like, "Well, if we just get to the other end of this month, or if we just get yeah, out, yeah." And uh, that's what's difficult about life now is is finding the um the the fortitude to keep going when there's no. I mean, there's obviously there's the hope that the vaccine will um properly kick in in a few weeks time and um or however month time but like 
So there is an end in sight, but no one can point to it and say where it is. For sure. No. Um, and it's, that's quite hard, I think, mentally for everyone. Yeah, yes. How, how have you coped throughout the whole thing mentally? Because I've swung both ways, really. So I've, at the start of it, I was a bit like, yeah, let's, let's go and get as much done that I possibly can that I couldn't do had I not been locked in my own house. And now I'm a bit like, I'm bored of this now. I just want it to be over. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think most people, there's, you'd be quite a weird person if you weren't bored of this, I think. Uh, I mean, I found it hard from the outset because um, a lot of my job, you know, does rest on touring, obviously, and because um, I, I like going out and I'm quite sociable in general and have quite a sociable life. So, you know, it was quite a difficult uh adjustment to make and um still is but mm. yeah I, I suppose in a way i've coped by just remaining productive and uh ambitious and just and active and just right continuing to write continue to have projects and stuff and a lot of that has worked well for me um but also there were these nuggets of hope along the way last year like we did these driving shows there was the brief window where we could do socially distant shows again like in milton Keynes. And you just, you, so you sort of live from one landmark like that to another, I suppose. And I, I became all right at that. Um, but as you say, it does wear away at you. And even if you're the sort of person that quite likes being at home, there's a limit to how much at home you can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we started last, well, the, the first lockdown by doing like DIY stuff. And we've actually moved house and we moved a couple of weeks ago. And now we're just like, oh, at least we've got some more DIY to do. So that's, that's not yeah. too bad. But. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't really, I don't really find it boring like people complain about because I've, I've, um, I've always got stuff to do, but hmm. there isn't, there's not enough for a start. I've actually not not got enough time to do it in a way because of the kids because I'm also trying, you know, homeschool again. That's been a bit of a blow, but once more by last night, I already knew that schools weren't coming back anytime soon, so it didn't come as a huge shot. Um, so yeah, I've, I feel like I've coped. My partner and I. have you know, stuck together, kept doing things, kept on top of it. And I've relied on, you know, uh, Zoom calls and video with friends. And there's loads of ways around it, but it's pretty hard to get away from the fact that for most of us, life is um, a big chunk of it's just missing, you know, like you said, even just going on holiday, mm. just being able to get away, even being able to go down to a hotel, you know, half an hour away or something would, the the monotony of not being able to get away from it's more claustrophobia actually I, you know people I'm not, I wouldn't say I've found it boring but I, I've, it's more like just psychologically confining after a while you just you just need a change of scene a change everyone needs that I think I think that's why people have kind of got out and explored the area around them a lot yeah. more kind of the last year because I mean I'm I'm I've done it I've been a bit like oh let's go for a walk at lunch or let's go for a walk after we finish work or something like that and it i'd have never done anything like that before because i I just couldn't be bothered well yeah i and i suppose i have as well i've certainly i've committed to running and i've yeah i've taken more of an interest in my surroundings probably been to the park or anything you can do you do don't you but um again there was a period where especially when it was summer it was like okay I've learned my lessons. I've appreciated the world around me. Um, I've found ways of coping. And if it had ended there, like if it had been a sort of four to six month experiment, then we'd have been like, well, there you go. 
that was a <laughs> that was tricky. But um, I've I've learned my lessons. I'm a I'm a better rounded person. It's just that again, I feel like all right, we've learned the lessons, <laughs> and maybe we haven't. Maybe maybe it will never go back to normal until we stop desperately trying to rush back to normality. You know, maybe this is the whole problem. But no one's ever lived through a period where things were taken away from us as suddenly um, and no, violently. That's true. So I don't, I think we're within our rights to want it back. You know, yeah. <laughs> you get these people that are like, ah, oh, well, this is just a sign that we should be living better and organizing society differently or traveling less or giving up on many of our, whatever it is. And I do understand that. But again, it's a bit much to just basically knock people over the head and steal their entire, you know, lifestyles and then be like, oh, well, <laughs> Got, got it yet? Do you get it? Like, I think we've got it. The only way you can make changes is, well, actually, no. I suppose these people's argument is that we, we've had plenty of opportunities to change, like climate change-wise or in terms of the fairness of our government, wherever, and we never have done that. So you'll get people that are like, what we needed was this like short, sharp shock. But um, it's not even been very short now, has it? <laughs> As you say, it's no, getting yeah. No. It's it's crazy. Well, we 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 booked a holiday when our other one got cancelled last April, and now for this April, now I'm a bit like, are we going to be able to go? <laughs> it's really it's really weird. Similarly, we were going to go to um, well, we were about to go to Australia when it happened last year for a comedy festival there, and we had the accommodation, and everything all booked, and so we um, transferred it to this year because at that point you thought, well, surely this time next year this madness will have blown over, but that is in the end of March, and it even though things are all right in Australia it's not clear whether it will be legal for us to go there for a start I would probably bet against it so yeah then you start thinking well can we just hold it over for another year the years start to fall away from you it's it's um when it gets around to the point where it's been more than a year like we're in March April again if we're still confined in this way then we are going to all feel properly old and exhausted I think because then it does feel like an actual unit of your life has been sort of taken away it's it's been a really weird experience. I yeah, a lot like like I said, I'm I'm over it now, much like everybody else is. I think so. Yeah, I think we're really truly over it by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I really really wanted to talk to you about was so you've you've got a, you've had a book that came out at the end of last year called Contacts, and I I read yeah. it and I I loved it. I absolutely love that book, and I am I. I could really relate to the lead character James at some points because the, the, some of the stuff that he went through and the experiences that he had were were very relatable. And I guess were were the kind of was the content of that book was it was it about kind of past experiences or was it entirely fictional when you were writing it? Um, I think um, most books are come from personal experience but also have an element of um you know at least an element of, of the made up about them and that's probably true of this book it, it, i drew on periods of my life when things were um very hard for me my, I, I was getting divorced and uh i had a much lonelier life than i now do and so and this is all a few years ago so i think i sort of channeled that to some extent um but at the same time there's lots of details which you know, are invented. Obviously, my, my experience is kind of quite different. The specifics of the experience are pretty different. Um, but what I think, uh, what I hope 
people can relate to in the book and it's nice that you, you found you could is um i think the experience of being in a, a bit of your life where things just aren't working out for you and you feel isolated from other humans and you don't essentially don't know what to do to get back from there i think that's quite a common experience mm. and I, you know part of the reason it's uh, uh hopefully quite a relatable book is that um yeah more people i mean james for example the character in the book doesn't actually see himself as you know a depressive or um and in a way he's not he's a person there's a, there comes a point where it's very difficult to uh it's not even that helpful to talk in terms of you know mental health or depression or anxiety as just as phrases you know um a lot of people who wouldn't consider themselves as as being sufferers of these conditions still fall into terrible mental health periods and that's sort of the so i think that's in that respect the, the book does sort of um yeah draws on my life and um i hope that people reading it do get a sense of how easy it is for people to just like you know drift away if we don't keep an eye on them mm. yeah i mean admittedly it was I've never read a book before and got emotional over it. So I, I got to the end of it and and was on the last few pages and I was a bit like, what's happening to James? What's, and, and when when he didn't take his own life, I was a bit, it was quite an emotional ending, I think. And That's good, yeah. I, the ending was difficult for me to decide what I wanted to do because um, you don't, I didn't want an ending that was completely bleak, but also it couldn't be, a complete escape either because um mm. without wanting to give spoilers if you have a book that ended with just like oh it's all right it was all right in the end that would feel like a cop-out when you raise the emotional stakes of it as much as that so it had to be somewhere in the middle but you don't want it to feel like you've just hit, kind of fudged it either the end took me ages to work out and I had loads of drafts and stuff and um in the end you just have to um pick something that you think all right that seems that seems like a good point to leave the story rather than this is the absolutely conclusive end because obviously with books um you want to sort of imagine that the character still carries on doing stuff after you've gone <laughs> so yeah, that's what yeah. I wanted it to be like you know with a film sometimes it can feel like uh, everything builds to an enormous climax and that's your that's it it's over, you know and, but a book I think it is nice to sort of put the book down and feel like you've spent some time in that in that character's world and you know but now now you leave them to it kind of thing that's sort of what I wanted the reader to feel like I think yeah I've, I mean it kind of went full circle as well because it kind of there was a learning from it that you, like you said to, to keep keeping close contact with with your loved ones and those around you but but yeah I, I yeah well I just loved it I think you know it's interesting with books you, you you can't really set out to write a book to try and, you know, force people to learn a lesson like be better with your loved ones or whatever. But it's just, you just, you, yeah, you tell the story you want to tell, I suppose, and hope that um, that is what people come away with. Um, or not even hope that, actually. I don't really mind what people come away with from the book because you can't really, um, uh, you, you can't control that and different people will, take different stuff from the book depending on their own personal circumstances so I suppose actually the, the only true thing you can say is you just write the story the best you can hope to connect with as many people as you can and kind of leave them to um 
take whatever they're going to take from it. As a comedian, you kind of stand out as somebody that's not scared to talk about your mental health, whereas a lot of I think a lot of comedians are quite they 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 try and not they try and avoid it a little bit like by by covering up with humor. I think you you tackle it head on with your humor. When was the first point you kind of it hit that point in your life where you thought I've got a mental illness? Because I think that a lot of people don't actually realize they have a mental illness until they're either diagnosed or they're told. So what, what was that point for you personally? Um, well, that's the thing. I wouldn't say that I did have a point like that. I'd say that um, during the, uh, the time that I was struggling with stuff in my life, um, this, you know, and living through really tough circumstances, you know, I, I became aware that um, I was, I was dealing with that, with the stress and the unhappiness of it in probably quite negative uh, ways. And that I was in bad thought patterns and uh, was allowing myself to spiral and stuff, it, all of this in ways that I couldn't necessarily understand and that weren't healthy. So I, I, I I suppose as much as anything, I worked out of myself from the, from the way that my life was going that there were um, bad mental patterns that I was in. I didn't ever receive. I did actually have a little bit of. I've been to see like therapists a few times for very brief periods. Never really connected with them, or uh, or well, actually, I also couldn't afford it at various points. And there were those reasons why that never. Came. So I didn't have. You know, I didn't ever get or seek diagnosis really I just had to confront in my mid-30s that um quite a lot had gone wrong in my well in my life but that my mental response to that was was potentially damaging and that there were issues I needed to sort out internally to be able to make any progress in life I mean uh, obviously especially now there's loads of talk about mental health and um perhaps if I was in the situation now that I was in even five or six years ago I'd feel more supported um by the wider community by you know social media by stuff like what you do but i don't know if i would or not because of the whole paradox of um, mental health issues is that you, you don't necessarily know how to get out of them like the, you don't have the mental energy to get out of them when you're in them at the time when you need it most you you often aren't that's kind of what the book is about it's about someone who kind of needs other people to get him out of trouble because he doesn't have the mental resources to do that and I think that's where I was a few mm. years ago and you know sometimes in life it is only by relying on other people and allowing yourself to be that vulnerable that you can ever like tunnel through stuff yeah I agree with that and I think that so for instance you mentioned earlier you, you've taken up running recently is that something that you kind of or, or something you'd say would help helps you mentally because you're kind of getting out you're doing some exercise and it's yeah it's kind of like burning off that excess uh worry I guess well yeah I mean actually I haven't I have been running for a long time um I've always found it really useful for for mental well-being um the 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 difference is maybe over the past um well actually it was about three years ago I ran a marathon um for the first time and so to be able to do that, I had to run in a really sort of sustained way for, you know, months. 
and I noticed the um the good effect that that had on my mental well-being and so ever since then I've sort of kept in the habit of doing that I don't run anywhere near as intensely as I used to because um the way you are when you're training for a marathon you, you can't you couldn't live like that all the time unless you're maniac <laughs> unless you're prepared <laughs> some people do some people get addicted to marathons and they they're sort of in a constant state of training for one and I can I don't I get that as well because that feeling of um being out in your own head for a couple of hours of a day every day with very little to focus on but the road or whatever you're running and the you know the sound of your own breath and stuff I do find it really kind of calming and then like it's just that I don't have time to do two hours of that every day anymore <laughs> or, or even who does? sorry who does who well, does have two thing, hours i don't even know looking back i don't quite know how i found the time uh to train for it in the first place i think i was just i just organized my time very well and i suppose also i mean in a lockdown it's, it's hard to remember what it used to be like but i guess i didn't used to have to require as much stuff um but yeah, I, so I don't run in, in um, anywhere near as rigid a way as that now, but I still do try and make sure that I'm out the door um, uh, mo- most days for a run. And yeah, I think physical exercise is really, it doesn't have to be running, but I think, because for a lot of people that just wouldn't work, but but I think um, and our options are pretty limited as well at the moment. Like you can't currently play five-side football or, you know, mm. volleyball or any of it, but in normal times, I do think that, I mean, a lot of people go for walks and stuff. And obviously that at the moment is a good idea because it's, most, it's almost all we've got on it. But um, I think that, well, for me, if I went for a long walk um, like with my troubles, I'd, I'd still be thinking about them for most of the walk. Yeah, I like, yeah. With running, I like the fact that it blasts other thoughts out of your head because the exercise itself makes you focus. And again, football, anything that, makes you either run around or just like that is a physical effort I think is really and people often say and I think it's probably true that um we in a, we were less inclined to have mental health issues um in past generations when we had loads of physical labor to do because you know you were just if you were just doing a trade the whole time if you, I'm not suggesting that was better because we didn't live as long and like people died when they were 48 of <laughs> you know and had awful living conditions i'm not suggesting it would be good if we all went down a mine again or we were all chopping wood all day but um there is something to be said for physical tasks just distracting you from what's going on in your brain i think and so i i sort of um yeah i swear by that of course again the problem is if you're depressed or too anxious or whatever you you can't necessarily get out of the door i've known people who you can't get out of bed that, that's the paradox i think that is the whole the dangerous loop that mental illness puts you in the the deeper in you are the less you can imagine being able to do any of the things which you know might get you out of it yeah i mean yeah because i mean i spoke to people on this podcast where they said i've really struggled to get out of bed one day and it's it's literally physically taking somebody else to force me into a different pattern a different schedule and put some structure into their life so i can yeah it's it might it must be difficult when you get into that state i guess but probably really difficult i think like um i mean yeah you've got to you've got to want to do it i think like i i run um i enjoy it i don't always enjoy it like i didn't enjoy running today really because rain was driving into my face for most of it um but on the whole i find it um pleasant experience in its own right which means i'm motivated to do it i think if you're depressed or you know in a bad 
mental state and you you, you start to persuade yourself to do something tough like go on a bike ride or something you just won't be able to do it because you're already feeling rough you need to find a, a method of exercising which you you would look forward to doing because I mean, it might not be a treat exactly but it's got to be something you're like oh that'd be nice i'll go out for a run i think you know if you try and solve it by being like right i need to do uh 45 minutes of swimming every day then again you know it's especially when the weather's like this it, it takes something to even get yourself down to a swimming pool <laughs> so yeah that's part of it i think the key to better living through um exercise and stuff or whatever or hobbies or any of it is you've got to actually want to do the things it can't just be like i'll cure myself by forcing myself through this activity because then you'll do it three times and never go back to it so i'm lucky i've got something like running which I, I like and i've got good at it and you're relatively good um and you can still it's one of the few things you're still allowed to do at the time of recording this is there anything else that you you kind of do as a hobby that kind of helps your mental health as well well yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of sport and, you know, football and stuff. And again, I, I'm grateful that's happening at the moment, even though mm. that could all be knocked on the head again in any time. Um, and to look at me from the outside, you wouldn't say I was relaxed a lot of that time uh, because I get, you know, quite stressed in a way watching my team. And I also get quite emotionally involved in most sport, but it is still not not life or death when you come to it and so it's a different even even like the nervousness of watching like supporting a team and stuff is still it's not the same as the anxiety you get getting out of bed if you're not feeling good so you know I, I find sport enormously helpful in a way because um it puts you in this mental space where you're emotionally invested in you know like caring about something which isn't that crucial but it mops up a lot of your mental energy whereas you know, if people don't like sport, I think the equivalent would be um, watching, I know, like Doctor Who or Game of Thrones or, yeah, watching TV, watching movies and stuff. But it isn't quite the same because if you're doing that, you still are using quite a lot of the same emotional areas yeah. of your brain, I think. Like, it's not exactly escapism. I suppose Doctor Who is a bit because it's some of the or things that happen in the fantasy world, I guess, are more of a... But you're still dealing, you're still watching... Other people, you know, humans, well, they're not all humans, are they? But uh, you're watching <laughs> other creatures grapple with stuff. And that, I think, has the potential to remind you of your own stuff. Whereas with sport, you know, you're watching stuff which doesn't really matter, even if you're a huge fan. And I think, yeah, your brain, you're using different bits of your brain from from what you would be if you were, you know. Even um, reading a book, people often talk about that as escapism, and it? It can yeah. be, but again, you, the act of reading is is about emotionally intersecting with someone else's world, and again, you might not be in the mood for that. So yeah, I'm, uh, and and that's why sport is quite valuable. I think there aren't many things like that where you can just plunge in and it's kind of meaningless, but you still your brain still believes it's really it's really important. So games in general, you don't have to be into sport. I think if you can get into something like I don't know online chess or Scrabble or anything like that. I I used to I don't do it anymore because it again it's, it's time filler. But I used to play Scrabble quite a lot on Facebook when it had a Scrabble app. Oh um, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd play with friends and stuff, and um, 
chat a bit in the chat box, but not really because it wasn't the point of it to chat. It was literally just to, to play the games. And that again was, in the end, I had to accept it was, it was wasting too much time because you'd put your computer on in the morning and you'd play an hour of that before you even done your emails, which before I had kids, I could just about justify that, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't productive. But stuff like that is great because you can put I used to put so much thought into a move sometimes if I was trying to get all the like get a bingo whatever it is get all the tiles down I used to really like emotionally exert well not emotionally exactly but I, I intellectually exert myself quite a lot but again um it's just a game it doesn't really matter <laughs> so that that was really valuable I found if, if there's a game or something that you can play with other people that I suppose it's why people like quizzes as well yeah, that you, your brain is doing a lot of stuff, but none of it is emotional, really, unless you're too into quizzes, <laughs> which some people are. You mentioned you, you you mentioned your kids just a minute ago, and I I've always thought so. I I didn't actually know what mental health was until probably my early twenties, I'd say. So so not well about ten years ago now. And I, I growing up as a kid, I. I, I suffered with anxiety, didn't realise it, didn't know what it was and just thought it was a little bit weird, really. Do you, do you think it's important to teach kind of the younger generations about mental health? Uh, well, yeah, it is. Um, how you go about that is, is difficult to say. Um, I think <coughs> I'm trying to remember what it was like when, when I was growing up. And I think it, it probably is true to say that there was much more, um, there was more of a culture of like people are either well or they're ill, or they're mad or they're sane sort of thing, I suppose, left over from um, generations of, of people thinking that way. And I think that now there is more of a tendency to treat mental and physical health as if they're part of the same coin, which in many, mm. many ways they really are a thing. So I, I think it's probably, I think it's probably easier um, to teach kids about that stuff now than it used to be because again we've evolved better tools as a society if you're talking about it it still isn't easy it's because um for a start kids have so many you know such high emotion anyway that uh it's quite difficult to drill down into you know and kids emotional landscape isn't necessarily fully formed either so you could easily start trying to diagnose mental problems in them. And of course people do. Um, like there's a whole, there's a whole school of, of like pediatric psychologists. I'm not saying that you can't um, tell whether kids have got mental illness or not, obviously, <laughs> but I, I am saying that it's not that kids have got a lot on their plates, understanding what their emotions are and how they work at the best of times. So it's quite hard to throw into that. Um, any, I, I guess all you can really do is, be as emotionally open and available um, as you can tell them that, you know, these are things that you might feel and they, I can help you with them and other people can help you with them and stuff. And that's what I try and do, I suppose. Um, And yeah, at least compared with like with 20 years or more ago, I would say that it's easier to have those discussions because we've moved on from stigmatizing mental health problems in the world. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but Maybe it's not true, so we've moved on from it, but at least we understand it better. Most people now understand um, what depression is as a phenomenon and have known people with it and stuff. And I, I don't think that was true 
when I was a kid. I don't think you'd say most people. There was there was also much. I think there was more emphasis on medicating versus yeah, talking about yeah. it when I was a kid. There were books like Prozac Nation and. I read stuff like that when I was a teenager. My first contact with the idea of depression was probably as an illness, which, you know, you received quite heavy duty meds for, which of course can be the case and still is the case, but that was almost the only vision of it I really heard about for a long time. That made it into a frightening thing. Uh, now, again, there are far more, especially with the internet and stuff. Far, I mean, like that was that book, Project Mission, I think was, and a couple of other ones. Um, were the first times I'd ever heard about antidepressants and stuff really because uh, books were all we have <laughs> now it's pretty easy with the internet for people to at least understand the different ways you can treat mental illness and stuff and the different ways of looking at it so yeah I think it's completely possible to educate kids on the subject more easily than it used to be um, but it's still a challenge to find a way in yeah I, th- I think it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those difficult conversations like when you teach your kids about the birds and the bees I, I mean I don't have kids at the minute so I yeah. even when I do have kids I've got that all to come but it's it's one of those very difficult conversations I was, I'd imagine as a parent to to kind of bring it up and ex- try and explain it and how do you explain it and it's well yeah, yeah. I mean uh, yeah all conversations are um with kids <laughs> because <laughs> You know, there's almost never a time when you want your dad to say, oh, now we're going to talk about something important. So it isn't easy. Uh, and I think you probably just have to be responsive to them. And, you know, they'll never, they'll probably never be a good time to just plunge into a discussion of mental health with a kid. But, the, but you, again, you've just got to make it, make it possible and make sure that they have um, the resources around them as well. Like with the birds and the bees, you, you, you probably don't want your dad to actually start sit down and start talking to you about sex like they're doing in cartoons. You want them to, a lot of parents just leave books around for kids to find or whatever, and then hope that school does the rest. So I suppose it's similar with mental health. You want to make sure that if they're looking for answers, they can find them, that they are available, but you don't want to be banging on the door saying, are you depressed? Because, you know, kids are sort of like anyone else. If, if you, try and put them on the spot on topics they'll go into themselves um and if anything kids are even more like that than most of us because kids are quite defensive about being put on the spot by their parents so yeah yeah you need a bit of subtlety in your approach i mean but one of one of my big kind of future anxieties is actually the act of having kids so like actually bringing up a child and looking after that child and and kind of being responsible for it yeah is did that ever come into the equation for you or was you just like no I'm having kids and this is it's going to be fine sort of thing no no I I did have plenty of anxieties about it yeah I think if you don't have that at some point that's you'd be quite irresponsible because it is a uh, uh well maybe that's putting it a bit strongly but I think like I think it's absolutely reasonable and uh, normal to want um my girlfriend's got uh she's editing with headphones on by the way so if you hear laughs it's, it's oh okay maybe all right <laughs> um, <laughs> at least i don't think so she might be sitting there with nothing on the headphones um, <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's just explain. um but um i yeah i think like it's hard now to remember because it was more than 10 years ago the kid was born nearly 11 my first son and 
it's so it's hard to transport yourself back into exactly what you I suppose I felt like nobody's really ready everybody struggles and that's just part of it which I think is true um and I also think that there's not one correct way to bring up kids uh you have to feel your way into it and everyone has to go on that sort of path as well so you know I suppose the answer to most anxieties about bringing up a kid is just this is normal it's normal to feel weird about this and if you do your best that's sort of all that can be asked of you really um and and it's also it's worth remembering that people often seem as if they don't have those worries but they probably still do like um you know one of the things that causes anxiety among young parents i think is um that there is this culture of saying oh it's great i love it these are the happiest days and i don't remember what it was like with that and you know there's that whole facebook and instagram world of people posting like lovely beautiful um ideal looking shots with kids and family life and sometimes there are those golden moments in family life but a lot of the time it isn't that <laughs> and if you get too um uh, if you're too influenced by the way other people advertise you know their lovely family life then that stacks a lot of pressure on you i think so it's best to go in with no expectations other than this is probably gonna be really hard and i'll try my best which is a good way to approach most things i think <laughs> is it, well the, the whole prospect of it just yeah it terrifies me because i'm i'm a bit like oh as as a guy living with depression anxiety i'm a bit like what if it rubs off on my kids what if i'm not a yeah. parent and it's it's, it's yeah it's, again, it's, i think that's completely normal to worry about um and it, it suggests that you'll be a good um parent because the fact you already care about that is a good sign i think i think if you um well maybe this isn't true of everyone but i'd say most people that have ever gone around gone into it thinking parenting is going to be fine i'm looking forward to it is is in for a, a tough time at some point um because not only is it difficult and tiring and but it it asks things of you that you couldn't necessarily anticipate you know people have kids with different needs different issues problems even if there's none of that even if your kid is as healthy and is as smooth um, a transition as you can imagine it still is very different from life before that, that is non-negotiable um so yeah it's it's it is appropriate to think, God, I don't know if I can do this or not. <laughs> and if more people thought that before they did it, it might be a good idea, actually. Um, but yeah, you've got to, in terms of like things rubbing off on them, pe- people will often say that uh, if you're stressed and anxious and all the, then, then, you know, influences the kids in it. And I suppose that's true, but it's also the case that you sh- I don't think you should hide everything you're feeling from your kids or or suppress everything in the hope of giving them a, a nicer household somehow because i doubt that that works either <laughs> you can't you have no alternative but to be yourself so when parenting you just have to be yourself with the kids and that's just how it is and that might be that might mean sometimes um both you and the kid are stressed <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't think you should i don't think you can bury aspects of your personality because you're now responsible for bringing up a now also the way that you um the way that things filter through to kids is very complicated your kid might inherit some of your natural tendency towards stress and stuff genetically um mm-hmm. or they might pick up some of it f- from what they observe 
or the atmosphere in the house but then they might not none of that might happen it's it feels like there's a lot of chance involved in what does and doesn't transmit to kids obviously if they grow up in a household that's like where they're neglected or abused then then that's going to have an effect but trying to predict what does and doesn't rub off on kids is, is really hard thing that's why it frustrates people when they think they're going to raise the kid to be a chip off the old block and they put pressure on them to be that and then the kid goes off in a totally different direction i think that you know i think that reflects the fact that people imagine oh, i'll have a kid and it'll be just like a little version of me but it, you know it is in a way a version of you and your partner rolled into one but it's also loads more things that you couldn't that you know and some of those aren't your, your fault that's just you know like the kid gets chased by dog when it's four and then it has like a lifelong dread of dogs there was nothing you could have done about that that's not you that's you know there's, there's, as soon as a kid is in the world loads of stuff's happening to them that isn't your responsibility even as their parents so that's worth remembering it's not all on you no that's, that's really good advice i think i'll, I'll <laughs> when it comes to having kids i'll um i'll take that into consideration True, yeah I think. there's lots of pressure yeah, and yeah. that's inevitable and some of that pressure you do have to take on but yeah also don't lose sight of the fact that some of it is out of your hands and if you just get them get them fed and safely in bed every day then you know you're doing you that you're ticking all the boxes you really can going going back to your show in in milton Keynes, the how you can always win show that you yeah. did about beggar of the island i mean how, how how did you cope with that well i didn't like it <laughs> it would be a red flag for anyone again that wasn't i mean it depends what triggers your um if you had anxiety specifically around food and whether you could get enough of it, then then I don't think you could survive an experience like that. Um, and some people are like that. Some people, you know, like panic if they can't, if, if they don't know where meals are coming from. And uh, your body does change and adapt. Some of the some of the way that you adapt to it is psychological, but that again brings anxiety making things because you might not want your mind and body to change in that way so i mean uh, i did it at a time when the divorce had happened a couple of years before uh and um i was sort of well it was still actually going on the separation had happened the, the divorce did the mechanics it was still kind of grinding away but still i was at what felt like a slight a transitional period in my life anyway to some extent I'd, moved in with someone else, um, moved house. Um, uh, Work-wise, other stuff was was changing. So that's part of how I, um, and I think I mentioned a bit of this in the show, that, you know, part of the answer is it, it just happened that I was in a period where a break from, like, my life wasn't the worst thing as it happened. Mm-hmm. If you... Um, and... Whether there were other people on the island who, who who were in a better place, maybe, and had much more stability, and you know, really had themselves had their act together in life, and they they suffered more because they were like, well, I can't just go back to my house. It's nice there, but it just happened that I, you know, I'd undergone enough uncertainty and upheaval over the past couple of years that it wasn't as big a culture shock to me. I, I'd sort of, I was in a point in my life where it was kind of useful to have some time to step away from stuff and just think and ponder. All that said. It doesn't sound like I, I would recommend it to you or, or to most people, quite honestly. I mean, they do non-celebrity versions of it or sometimes the island. And um, you can see the sort of people that 
sign up and it normally is people who like have always fancied doing something adventurous like that people who back themselves mm. to survive in the harshest environment but that was never me I didn't sign up for it because I thought I could do it I just got offered it and like took the challenge but yeah when I watch shows like this where people have signed up for it to prove the point or something I'm always like Christ we're very different people <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's uh... On on one side, it's it is a once in a lifetime experience because it's it's such yeah. an ab, abnormal abnormal experience. It's, go, it's going back to hundreds and hundreds of years before civilizations were created. But it's yeah, it's not. Yeah, the once in a lifetime thing is the is the the key to it. Really, I, I knew that I wouldn't be asked to do anything like that ever again. I wouldn't visit a place ever like that again. It's sort of remote tropical island, but not tropical island in a good way, um, and. <laughs> Would, yeah, I, I knew I'd be tested in ways that would never happen before. And there's been quite a few times in my um, career when I've said yes to things, uh, partly to be on TV or, or to because I have to earn money. But a lot of it is about this mentality of like, well, if not now, this will never happen. So let's see. Let's go for it. And I'm quite like that about stuff generally. And that's, uh, I suppose, a good way to approach life. It does mean that sometimes though you're starving or like jumping out of something or I've been asked to do a lot of things in my time where I've done it and then when it comes close it thought of Christ you know I don't think that that you should necessarily take every once in a lifetime opportunity because loads of things that only happen once in a lifetime are really bad news (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah I I, you know I, I think there is something to be said for getting far out of your comfort zone in a situation like the island and using that perspective to reassess a bit um all that said and i said this in the show as well i could have only got through it because other people you know were there who who we, we protected each other looked after each other i don't think that going off on your own um into the wilderness is necessarily going to suit many people so it depends on circumstances yeah i, I mean I still don't know if I'd do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, like it's... I, I certainly wouldn't recommend it to any, everyone. I um, There's been a couple of comedians that have asked me about it since I did it, and I've described it to them as fully as I could and given them like as much balance as I could, and at least a couple of them said, yeah, I don't want to do that, actually, <laughs> based on that discussion. And they're probably right. If you feel like it's something you definitely would not like, then that probably is true. Um, for me I was like well mm, I almost certainly won't like this but I will grow or benefit it's the thing again with life really there are a lot of opportunities not as many now because we're stuck in our houses but in the ordinary course of events there are quite a lot of opportunities in life to grow um, and develop but by putting yourself into hard situations and when those opportunities come you just got to ask yourself whether you prepared to risk that and whether you want that growth enough and, and the answer is not always yes and that's fine I'm not, I'm not you know I don't think I'd advocate that you always go for the hardest road because you'll grow as a person sometimes you're just not in a place to do that but if you think you might be then sometimes in life it's worth it you just you've got to you know you'll get people that are like sort of gurus self-help people or whatever who, who you know relentlessly focus on like push yourself yeah. to new goals leave your comfort zone do something every day that scares you. And all these things that like a lot of advice you get, um, especially online, it, these, these things are useful potential principles 
but they're not things that apply every day of your life. You have to pick and choose what advice helps you, I think. That's the case with most life advice. It contains the grain of something important, but it will not apply every day. I think that's, again, that relates to mental health again, because if if somebody recommends something that's going to help you cope with something or it's kind of like a mental health aid, it might not work for one person, but it'll work for somebody else. And I think that's kind of similar to that, I think. Yeah, one one thing about one thing about um, well, I was going to say about mental health, but really, it's 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 the thing about all well being really that people often think they have rules which apply across the board, and they almost never do. You'll see it on Twitter, you'll see it everywhere. People, I'm not suggesting that the whole self help industry or any of that is is all based on unhelpful generalizations, because I'm sure there's loads of good stuff within it. But in general, you should be suspicious of people who reckon that they know the answers to your problems because they are your problems and um, everyone's living their own life. And yeah, I don't think there are many rules of living which apply across across the board, across people and situations. I think we've all got to do it for ourselves and you should, you can, you should take as much encouragement, support and advice from other people as you can, but never, never take their advice as, as gospel because... Um, mm as we all know no one else is literally living your life and some people sometimes talk as if they are what can we expect from yourself in 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 the upcoming year hope hoping that it becomes a more normal normal year that's the thing it's a hard question i have a lot of writing projects more books more other stuff um and i have to focus on that for now so I'll, they'll certainly, and I'll also keep doing online stuff, like whatever form that takes. Um, so I, uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of me to, to go around. In terms of <laughs> um, touring and stuff, yeah, the, the, um, we continually put things back another few months and into a new set of like ghost dates, which again might not happen. I, like the Milton Keynes show night was almost a miracle because that did actually come off in one of these very it just happened it was in a pocket of time when it was allowed to do that with with distancing with restrictions um and i pulled off a few like that so uh, yeah but our general philosophy is put i'll put on shows in any conditions i possibly can and but it would really help if some of that was um actually in the flesh this year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's my, my modest aim until then i'll just keep writing and creating anything i can with with the bit on keen show i thought it's really strange because we we're a bit like it's so weird that you have to wear face masks for one then there was nobody around you and then halfway through we were a bit like we actually quite like this because there's nobody like in there's nobody like talking around you or coughing or, or whatever yeah and it's, it's quite a people. nice atmosphere yeah. i think I think for people that are normally anxious in in crowds, it isn't a bad way to see comedy because, as you say, <laughs> you've more or less got half a row to yourself. Um, yeah. So yeah, I th- there's definitely some things to be said. You know, I, again, you've got to follow the, the the advice, obviously, the restrictions. But I, I'm I was I did half a dozen or so, maybe slightly more shows like that in those sort of conditions. So with like half a crowd, masks, and it was really weird. But I enjoyed it a lot more than. Um, not doing anything or even when doing online i mean i've had some nice times doing online shows but yeah the feeling of doing shows again even in a very limited way was really invigorating so uh and at the moment again the the lockdown is total but when it's possible i hope to be able to do stuff like that more 
even if it's you can only have 30 people in the rest of it's online and whatever the rules you can always find a way around it it's just you know for the past couple of months the rules have changed nearly every week sometimes every day and then you can't find a way around it there's limits to what you can possibly organize but you stay adaptable and as positive as you can and just try and work it out yeah I'm, i mean i i love just getting out of the house and because we we went for a meal before and then we went to see your show and then we went home and we're like oh that was a nice evening and it was and, like yeah actually getting a pub for dinner and going to yeah. the theater, like the old you, days. Yeah. yeah you couldn't you couldn't do that for months and it was like oh this is no. this is really lovely <laughs> yeah and at the time it felt as if perhaps we were we were you know returning to that normality and then of course the cost of that was was where we are now and it does feel as if we're in that cycle almost forever but then and hopefully the vaccine will will might bring an end to that but yeah until then you just make the most of those moments, I suppose. And life at the moment is about finding good pockets of happiness in amongst some difficult stuff. My message to everyone at the moment really is just uh, use social media, use your phone, use the, the things that the book are about, really, the book is about. Use the online resources of other humans to, to, to help you because... Um, loneliness is your biggest enemy in this situation and but loneliness is, is not unavoidable it's never inevitable because we've all got so much contact with each other if we sort of use it so that's you know don't be afraid to do that and don't and be proactive about seeking out people that might need the help as well yeah it, I've, i think the key thing is definitely that keeping connected with people staying in touch with people and yeah. don't leave people to just if, if they seem okay, don't assume that they're okay. Just make sure you're checking in on them regularly because yeah, it's, that's right. it's an abnormal situation. Again, it doesn't always work. Some, sometimes people don't want to be checked in on. Sometimes they have to, they've made themselves distant, you know. But at least, yeah, make the effort. Be available That is, is the slogan, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the Stress Sessions. And yeah, I've, yeah it's been a... It's been amazing speaking to you. Well, it's been really nice chatting to you, mate. And let me know when it comes out and I'll, I'll um, you know, let people know. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. And yeah, I'll speak to you soon. All right. Cheers, Luke. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. See you later. Pleasure, mate. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's it. That is the end of series two of the stress sessions. Thank you so much to Mark Watson for taking the time to come on. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you buy all of his books. Just a little plug, especially Contacts, as it is an amazing read. I connected with it a lot. I resonated with it a lot. And if you've got a mental illness, then yeah, you'll know what I mean. It makes me a little bit sad to say this, but I'm going to be having a little break in between series. Yes, there will be a series three. Way with the first episode coming out on Monday the 3rd of May 2021 not next year this year so put the date in your diaries and yeah Monday the 3rd of May it's a bank holiday again so kind of fits in with this one being on a bank holiday finally thank you to everyone for continuing to tune into the stress sessions without you guys just you you listen to this the stress sessions simply wouldn't go on so it's you yes you again that's keeping me doing this it's it's a long process all of it putting all this together so i i just love that you guys listen to this and especially you you listen to this one 
I say this every week, but I'm no mental health specialist. Everything you hear on this podcast is purely the opinions and thoughts of me and my guests. So if you're suffering from a mental illness, I've included some useful links and numbers in the podcast notes. Finally, please remember to share the stress sessions with your friends, family and anyone who you think might enjoy listening. While you're at it, I'd also really appreciate you leaving me a review and giving me a rating, apart from if you're on Spotify, because you can't do that on there, apparently. So... Thanks. Thanks for listening and catch up with you again with Series 3 on Monday the 3rd of May. Bye.